0: Hello. Hello, this is Helen.
1: Hi, Helen. Thanks for being here.
2: Oh, well, I almost made it. (laughs) Judy and I (laughs) finished praying about an hour ago, and I fell asleep, which is good.
1: Yeah. Hallelujah. That's a good thing.
3: Yeah.
4: Oh hello. hello. It's, it's just me. <laughs> Nobody but us. chicken. <laughs> hallelujah,
1: hallelujah.
3: Praise the Lord. <laughs> uh. <laughs>
1: Hello hello, hello, come, come, come. I wish oh, just now eight thirty. Hi there.
3: Nice to have you with us
1: To be our quiet listener. Well yeah, we do have more We have a quiet listener, a silent listener, and an anonymous listener. And then we have those who would like to say hello. Hi uh, Hello. Hi Lisa hey, How are you? I'm a blessed woman. Thank you. That's good. Very good. We're doing good here, too. Up in Pennsylvania.
3: (laughs) Praise
1: the Lord. down. All right, then. There's
5: there's our next. Hey there, sis. Hello, hello. Hey, Mel. What's going on? Hey, Amen. Hey, Mr.
1: Phil. Hey, buddy. What's going on, boss?
5: Oh. It's good. It's all good up here. Yes, sir. Pulling away from Georgia with a beautiful full full moon looking at me. Yeah, beautiful- Thank, you, Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus.
1: We had a beautiful day up in Pennsylvania, also, up in the East Coast, northern. Pretty, pretty, pretty. Gorgeous. It was pretty out Gorgeous. today. Uh, what was your high temperature? What was our, it was around 65. Oh,
5: it was wow, very pleasant.
1: pleasant. Very pleasant. And clear wow. blue sky. It was amazing, beautiful. yeah.
5: Beautiful. Thank you, Jesus. All right.
1: Thank you, Jesus. We can go outside. Praise God. We can go
5: outside. Oh,
1: thank you, Lord. (laughs) We can walk. (laughs) Yes, we have the outside.
5: Not not no snow on the ground. (laughs) No.
1: Amen. I guess it was pretty right? hot. How is it in Florida? Is it because I'm saying maybe we didn't go out, but maybe in Florida it's really hot. Um, got pretty yeah, hot it's, today. It was nice, though. It was it was nice. We've had really nice weather for a week or more. We had one day of rain, but that was good because the plants needed it. Yeah, we sure <laughs> needed it. Yeah, yeah. It's not it's not been extremely hot, but it's been been nice and warm down here.
5: Already, what, we, we've touched the ninety. We've been to ninety already.
1: Oh wow, close to ninety! Wow, yeah, that but is that's a lot. Not bad. You know, yeah, it is not. when it gets really humid, that's when it gets really bad. But no, oh, okay. yeah. Say yeah. hello.
3: Anybody else want to
1: say hello? Hi, this is Claudia. How are you this evening? Hello, my dear. Glad to have you here. Thank you. to be here. Anybody else before I mute your phones? I am going to go ahead then and mute your phone and um, we'll get started.
5: Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Welcome to our Monday night teaching. And we are teaching in Vicki's new book, as you know. We're going to be starting Chapter 9 tonight. And let me introduce, in case you are new on the line, we are Freedom's Way Ministries. My name is Phil Burdett. I'm here with my wife, Vicki. And we are teaching the teachings in her book, chapter by chapter. And this is a book that is not published yet. So you get a uh, bird's eye view on what's right off the press. So Hallelujah. Welcome all. We love you. Um, our mission is to help you and help us understand who we are in Christ and our true identity and, and helping people to, to grasp that and live through who they are, who they were designed to be by God. So I hope this is a blessing to you. I know it'll be a blessing to you. And I'm going to pray us into this teaching tonight. Father, Heavenly Father, we bow our knees to you this evening. We love you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you have our best interests in your heart. And you want us all to grow up to be more like you, with your power, with your strength, with your character, Lord. Thank you for for helping us to be more like you, and as we say, more of you, Lord, and less of me. And we say, Holy Spirit, have your way in our meeting tonight. Teach your people, love on your people, give them wisdom, give them revelation, knowledge, that they can grow in you, become stronger and more successful in all areas of their life. Lord, we just love you. We thank you. We say, Holy Spirit, have your way, and we say any interloper or evil spirit that would try to interfere or cause people to misconstrue what's being said here tonight, we turn you away in the name of Jesus. We say, you take hands off God's people, and Lord, we just loose the Holy Spirit to move mightily through this teaching in Jesus' name.
1: Amen. Hallelujah. Okay, as Phil just announced, this is Chapter 9, and the title of this chapter is Spiritual Deception About Poverty. Another area in which God's people have been deceived is that of poverty and prosperity. Some of us spend an inordinate amount of our time trying to figure out Why God seems to bless other people but not us. Or why we do everything we can to move the hand of God to prosper us financially and it just doesn't seem to happen. Or why our bank accounts dwindle just when things start looking up. Job tells us. Touching the Almighty, we cannot find him out. In other words, there are some things about God that are unexplainable and which we likely may not understand. But Job goes on to say, He is excellent in power and judgment and in plenty of justice. He will not afflict. So even though we may not understand why some horrific things might have happened to us, we can know with a certainty it wasn't God that caused them. Our biggest problems stem from the way we tend to want to correct God when we see that his word and our reality don't match up. If we pray in faith and the thing we pray for doesn't happen, We have a tendency to make up a reason which makes sense to our human minds.
5: This is how false doctrine and doctrines of devils come into being in the church. Hell works to form a lie about God and bring doubt about His word into our minds. Out of our hurts and woundedness, or our poverty and lack, we create a reason for whatever we see, and oftentimes that reason will oppose the Word of God. The body of Christ seems to spend a lot of time walking by sight and not by faith. It's really hard not to do that sometimes, especially when, for example, we've been faithfully tithing and the washing machine breaks down or the car dies we say, wait a minute, God, didn't you say you'd rebuke the devourer? Well, I'm being devoured here. Remember,
1: if the counterfeit didn't look real, we wouldn't be fooled by it. I remember in the small Georgia town where I grew up, there was a really good printer. And for 20 years, he he printed counterfeit $20 bills. No one knew it. He was an upstanding member of the community and had even served as president of the local chamber of commerce. He would probably still be printing counterfeit money today if it hadn't been for a couple of young kids who found some of his not-so-perfect bills in the trash bin out back of his shop and started playing with them. Their parents took notice and asked where they got the play money And that's how he was finally stopped. That's how it is in the spirit realm. The enemy continues to do what he can to fool us by presenting something that looks very real and yet won't hold up under careful examination. We're carefully examining some of the counterfeit ideas the devil has instilled into the church and realizing how they don't hold up in the light of the truth.
5: What have we been taught, or what do we generally believe about God and the subject of money? Well, for one thing, we've been told that we are supposed to be poor and that we should give up everything to the church and to help others and that somehow we can be closer to God and more spiritually if we are poor. Next, we are taught that God holds it against us if we don't give him money. We're told that the word that God won't bless us if we don't give him money. There's a lot of a lot of coercion in some churches concerning tithing, and I've heard more manipulation from the pulpit about tithing than perhaps any other subject. And remember this: the best lie from hell has the most truth from heaven in it. The lie of the enemy is often a truth of God that has simply been twisted and perverted, or is part truth rather than complete truth. Also, we've been told that Jesus was poor, and so to be like him, we needed to be poor, too. These are the few of the off-balance beliefs which we will do our best to correct.
1: Okay, let's take the first one. That Christians are supposed to be poor. And just come right out and say this. Being more spiritual by suffering poverty and lack is a lie from hell. So where does this idea come from? There are a couple of places in the Word that people use to support the warped concept of poverty as being a good thing.
5: In Matthew nineteen twenty-one through 24 says, Jesus said unto him, If you will be perfect, go and sell that you have and give it to the poor, and you shall have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again, I say unto you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. Many of us know this story of the rich young ruler, and we take it as a directive from the Lord for everyone. Because Jesus says it's difficult for a man to enter the kingdom of heaven, if he has a lot of stuff, we think that means nobody who is truly interested in kingdom living should have anything. That belief makes no sense when you really examine it. We cannot give in the good works when we have nothing to give. You can't give out of a void. So let's examine what this passage is really saying.
1: First of all, Jesus recognized that the young man didn't have money. Money had him. His treasure was in what he had and therefore his estate held his heart. Matthew six twenty one. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus wanted his heart. This verse tells us our hearts are linked to something called treasure. When we think of treasure, most of us think of money. So we can see that finances get hooked into our hearts without our conscious knowledge. And Jesus knew that was a problem with this young man.
5: When the Lord can touch what's important to us, he can begin to capture our hearts. And we all need to realize God wants our hearts. Can we have great possessions and still give our hearts to the Lord? Certainly we can. At the same time, it is true that the more we have, the more we have to take care of. Having a great estate can take up a lot of our time and energy, which is likely. What had happened to this young man? Jesus was saying, I want to spend time with you. I want relationship with you, but your stuff is in the way. When he said it's hard for a rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven, he was saying that having to steward a great estate makes it impractical to arise into the realm of happiness, power, and eternity in our daily lives. Is that true? Well, it was for this man and for many people who have great riches. Some people are so captured by dollar signs that they know the cost of everything but the value of nothing. They're sometimes unable to separate themselves from the worry of what they have, how they can keep it how they might lose it, how they can get more of it, and so on. This can be true whether a person has a little or a lot. When your focus is on how to keep the abundance you already have or your focus is continuous, continually on what you don't have, then money becomes your priority.
1: <clears throat> we can safely say, that the idea of Jesus wanting us all to give up what we have and live in abject poverty in order to be closer to him is pure deception. What he wants is our hearts. And if money is the thing that has our hearts, we need to be redirected. God's word is very clear that he wants us to prosper. But we need to consider that our prosperity does not simply happen. The Lord has set up prosperity principles in the earth. And when we follow them, we will surely succeed. (laughs) Excuse me. Money is not a bad thing. Loving money more than God is a bad thing. This is the other scripture that people use to say that God wants us poor. It's in 1 Timothy 6, verse 6 through 10. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be there with content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some coveted after they have erred from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows.
5: The writer of these verses knew that the spirit of mammon uses money to entrap and enslave God's people by pulling our focus onto riches and away from God. He says, they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare. In other words, those who focus on getting more and more money lose sight of what's really important, and end up drowning in destruction and pierced with sorrows. It isn't money that is the root of all evil. It's the love of money, an overflowing love that sweeps away the things of God and carries us into hurtful lusts. Remember, God wants our heart. He doesn't need our money. He knows he has our hearts when we follow his directives. There are 82 places in Scripture which use the words prosper, prospereth, prospered, and prosperity. A great number of these verses connect prosperity to obedience. But no one tells us it's good sorry, but not one tells us it's good or that it is God's will that we be poor.
1: Hallelujah. In the book of Genesis, Abraham tells his servant, the Lord before whom I walk will send his angel with you and prosper your way. In Deuteronomy, Moses told the people, Keep the words of the covenant and do them, and you will prosper in all you do. Joshua was told to be strong and courageous and keep the law of Moses, not turning aside from it, so that, quote, you may prosper wherever you go. King David's advice to his son Solomon was the same. You'll see this one in 1 Kings 2 and 3, 2, verse 3. And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and whithersoever you turn yourself. In the days of King Jehoshaphat, an awesome prophecy of God's grace for battle was given and he was told there would be no fight, but that the Lord himself would destroy their enemies. The king then told the people in Second Chronicles 20, 20, And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, hear me, O Judah. And you, inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God, so shall you be established. Believe his prophets, so shall you prosper.
5: The word of God goes on and on about how prosperity and success are connected to our relationship with God. This is a principle set up by God. He is our provider and our provision. And prosperity in all things comes from him and him alone. Not from anything we can do on our own. Even those people who don't recognize God, and yet they prosper in the world, are actually receiving from God because he is the provider. There is no such thing as a self-made man. Psalm 100, verse 3, Know you that the Lord he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. James 1, 16-17 says, Do not err, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning.
1: We can see a couple of truths so far. God is the one who prospers us. He wants our hearts, and he knows he has our hearts when we follow his directives. The word says, we prosper according to his riches in glory. Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. What does that mean? Perhaps it means we should each ask ourselves, How rich is he in glory in me? How much Jesus do I reflect? I believe the more we demonstrate the glory of Jesus in us, the more he can pour out his riches into our lives. When we suffer lack, it's generally because we have concentrated our time and talents and energies on our own domain rather than on his kingdom business. God is certainly not obligated to uphold any kingdom we build for ourselves. The book of Haggai says, we have not considered our ways and have forsaken the house of God.
5: Haggai 1, 3 through 7. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O you, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie waste? Now therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, Consider your ways, you have sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earns wages earns wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your way. God wants us to prosper, but we have a responsibility in the process. We are to consider our ways. Are we seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? If we are, then we can know for a certainty that all the things we need will be provided for us. Hallelujah.
1: Next, The next false doctrine about poverty is that being poor will somehow make us more like Jesus. Is that scriptural? Well, first of all, was Jesus poor, the way we think of poverty? I hardly think so. At one point in his ministry, he supported 70 missionaries. The garment the soldiers cast Lot for was a prize. They surely would not have wanted the cloak of a beggar. John 19, verse 23 and 24. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts to every part to every soldier a part, and also his coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from the top throughout. They said therefore among themselves, Let us not rend it but cast lots for it, whose it shall be, that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They parted my raiment among them, and for my vesture they did cast lots. These things, therefore, the soldiers did. By this scripture, we know this piece of clothing was so well made and valuable that no one wanted to destroy it, and all of them wanted it for themselves. The verse in 2 Corinthians, which tells us Jesus became poor, is an exaggeration to show us the amazing divine exchange the Lord made on our behalf. Compared to the riches of heaven, earthly living would seem to be a beggarly existence.
5: Amen. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might be rich. Jesus knew the richness of heaven, and he gave it up to be born into the earth as a man, just like us. He had wealth on earth, too, but he gave that up to go on the cross and die. He made himself obedient to poverty so that he could overcome poverty and destroy it. This verse is very clear. We who believe through his poverty may be rich. God wants us to be rich, not poor. Being like him doesn't mean we become poor. It means we become rich through and in him.
1: Amen. Now let's address the issue of God wanting us to give him money.
3: Help us, Lord.
1: Again, the Lord set up a principle in the earth. It's like the principle of gravity. It's working in the world. God doesn't say, don't step off the cliff. If you step off the cliff, I'll punish you. God says, don't step off the cliff. If you step off the cliff, there's a principle working. The fall might not hurt you, but that sudden stop at the bottom can be deadly is not a commandment to tithe or to give offerings into the kingdom of God. But there is a clear directive from God to do so. People may say that tithing, which means giving a tenth of what you gain, is Old Covenant and under the law. So it's not important for us today. We need to realize that tithing did not start with the law, and it is not a part of the law, other than being incorporated into it. Tithing was a part of the covenant. It was established 430 years before the law.
5: Written in Genesis 14, 18 through 20. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought forth bread and wine. And he was the priest of the Most High God. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which has delivered your enemies into your hand. And he gave him tithes of all. Abram, whose name was changed by God, to Abraham, titled, tithe, I'm sorry, to Melchizedek. This occurred as previously stated, 430 years before the law came into being. In addition, we are clearly told that the law cannot destroy the covenant. Galatians 3, 16 through 17 says, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He says not, and to seeds as many, but as of one, and to your seed, which is in which is Christ. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was four hundred and thirty years after, cannot disannul, that it should be made the promise of none effect.
1: Certainly, we can see that tithing is part of the covenant of God. We also understand that tithing carries a principle of blessing with it. If we consider ourselves covenant children of God, then we give back to the Lord a portion of what clearly belongs to Him. We first give ourselves, and then we release into his kingdom, the first fruits of our increase. We don't mix the holy, set apart things with the common things. We don't give God what's left over after we pay our bills and do what we want to do. We honor him with the first fruits of our labors, and he honors us for honoring him. Proverbs 3. Verse 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your substance and with the firstfruits of all your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and your presses shall burst out with new wine.
5: Please understand that tithing to the Lord is not for the purpose of getting our needs met by him. The Lord will take care of us and provide us shelter and food simply because he loves us and not in return for anything we can do, including tithing. However, there is a principle working. Scripture proves it. When we honor God with the first fruits of our increase, our barns, that's our bank account, The storehouse of our substance will be filled with abundance. Well, that's good news. Once again, that we see there is a heart issue involved. We should not tithe because we have to. If tithing seems to be some sort of drudgery or obligation, then the heart is not right. We should not tithe out of fear either. If we think by not tithing it will cause us to be financially destroyed, then our hearts are not right. God loves a cheerful giver, not a worried giver or a fearful giver or a reluctant giver. He wants our hearts, remember? And in other words, we don't give because we want to be blessed. We give because we are blessed. Hallelujah. We don't give to have more. We have more because we give.
1: Paul said it was good to give, not because he needed it, but because those that were giving needed it. In his letter to the church at Philippi, he talked about how generous they had been toward him. This is Philippians 4, verse 14 to 17. Notwithstanding, you have done well that you did communicate with my affliction. Now you Philippians know also that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed from Macedonia, no church communicated with me as concerning giving and receiving, but you only. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again unto my necessity, not because I desire a gift, But I desire fruit that may abound to your account.
5: Amen. Matters of money matter to the Lord. There are almost ten times as many verses in the New Testament about finances as there are about either faith or salvation. Wow. There are 2,084 verses that talk about money and finances. 218 verses concerning salvation and 215 verses about faith. Matters of money really do matter to God. He wants to prosper us and He wants us to be fully aware that how we feel about money, how we respond to financial situations, and how we treat people in relation to finances can make a big difference in how effective we are and fulfilling our purpose in the kingdom. People are the stewards of his resources, and that includes financial resources. God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be good stewards of our prosperity. He wants us to recognize the principles he has established in the earth in this area. Giving is only one of them, but it is a big one. Know this. None of us can outgive God.
1: Luke six thirty-eight. <clears throat> give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down and shaken together and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet withal, it shall be measured to you again. Give and it shall be given to you. We cannot give if we live in poverty. It stands to reason that if God wants us to give into good works, He also wants us prosperous enough to do so. Second Corinthians nine eight and God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you. Always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. That puts to rest the idea we have to be poor to be spiritual. We also saw that Jesus' poverty was a comparative issue. Earthly living can't stand up to heavenly living in any aspect, including riches. That puts to rest the idea that we have to be calm for to be like Jesus.
5: Finally, we've seen that God doesn't require money to bless us. Thank you, Lord. We want to go one more place to prove this. We've been told to sow a seed into something in order to get something back. Well, there is a truth to that, but it is not the entire truth. The principle of sowing and reaping is a valid principle, but not the way many of us have been taught. Sowing and reaping actually has nothing to do whatsoever with whether or not God meets our needs. Sowing and reaping is not the method of meeting our needs. To think that way—that that, that way—to think that way is works of. To think that way is works righteousness. Okay, I got it now. You got it. I got it. To think that way is works righteousness. If I give God, God will meet my need. It is wrong and deceptive to believe. If I do something for God, he'll do something for me. That is actually anti-gospel. That's a strong statement, but Jesus himself taught against sowing and reaping as a way to meet need. And you'll find that in Matthew six twenty-five and 26. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body more than raiment? Behold, the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much better than they?
1: How many times have we heard these words, or maybe something similar? Do you have a need tonight? Then give. Give more. Give it all. God will meet that need as you make your offering. The more you give, the more you get. Do you need money? Then give. Sow into God's kingdom and he will meet your need. In this warped interpretation of God's principle of sowing and reaping, we are using money to make God do something when money should be the means to accomplish the thing God told us to do. It's upside-down thinking. When we believe sowing is the way to get our needs met, what happens? We can't pay the rent. We sow into the offering expecting God to pay our rent, and he doesn't. What does that do to our faith? What about when we try to tell somebody else, well, if you were just giving more, you wouldn't have this problem. I tried all that and it didn't happen for me. Using sewing to meet needs sets up a situation that often results in a blow to the credibility of the word of God and the love of God.
5: God's provision comes to me not because of what I do. God's provision comes to me for only one reason. He loves me. Everything I have comes to me as a gift of his grace, received by faith. Provision comes because God loves us, not because anything we can do. The provision we give our children is not based on what they sow into the household. That is just plain foolish. You can feel confident to make this confession. My Father in heaven loves me, and because he loves me, he provides for me. Because he loves me, he wants to see me prosper in my finances as well as in my health and in my relationships. When we line up an agreement with God and understand his heart on the matter of poverty and lack, we can then destroy it from our lives. Jesus came that we might have abundant life, not a meager life. John 10 and 10 says, The thief comes not but for to steal and to kill and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly. Thank you, Lord.
1: Hallelujah. That's the end of the chapter, and the prayer comes next. Every chapter is going to end with a prayer. So, let's pray this together, shall we? Father God.
5: Father God.
1: I humble my heart before you.
5: I humble my heart before you.
1: And I ask your forgiveness.
5: And I ask your forgiveness.
1: For making my financial condition.
5: For making my financial condition.
1: Money or the lack of money.
5: Money or the lack of money.
1: An idol in my life.
5: An idol in my life.
1: I can see that many times.
5: I can see that many times.
1: I've been so focused on what I have.
5: I've been so focused on what I have.
1: And how to keep it. And how to keep it. Or on what I don't have.
5: Or on what I don't have.
1: And how to get it.
5: And how to get it.
1: That I've lost sight of my first love for you.
5: That I've lost sight of my first love for you.
1: Help me, Lord, help me Lord. to realign my priorities with your priorities.
5: To realign my priorities with your priorities.
1: So that I can truly seek first.
5: So that I can truly seek first
1: your kingdom and your righteousness.
5: Your kingdom and your righteousness.
1: I know that as I do that,
5: I know that as I do that I
1: will never lack for anything.
5: I will never lack for anything.
1: Forgive me, Father.
5: Forgive me, Father.
1: For thinking I have to give.
5: For thinking I have to give. In
1: order to receive from you.
5: In order to receive from you.
1: And forgive me for feeling guilty.
5: And forgive me for feeling guilty.
1: When I prosper.
5: When I prosper.
1: I am sorry, Lord.
5: I am sorry, Lord.
1: For having warped views of who you are.
5: For having warped. You, who you are
1: and the vast treasures
5: and the vast treasures
1: that you desire to pour into my life
5: you desire to pour into my life
1: treasures not only of
5: finances father treasures not only of finances father
1: but also of health and joy
5: but also of health and joy
1: make me a good steward
5: make me a good steward of
1: what i am given father
5: what I am given, Father.
1: So that I can show myself worthy.
5: So that I can show myself worthy.
1: Of your many blessings in my life.
5: Many blessings in my life.
1: And can also be an example.
5: It can also be an example. Of
1: your godliness.
5: Of your godliness. To others. Well,
1: I freely give you my heart, Lord.
5: I freely give you my heart, Lord. For
1: you are the true treasure.
5: you are the true treasure.
1: I desire to be the cheerful giver.
5: I desire to be the cheerful giver.
1: That you love.
5: Father.
1: Help me to trust in you.
5: Help me to trust in you.
1: And not in myself.
5: And not in myself.
1: Or my bank account.
5: My bank account. Show me, Father. Show me, Father.
1: The ministries and the people.
5: The ministries and the people that
1: you want to bless through me.
5: If you want to bless through me.
1: So that I can advance your kingdom.
5: So that I can advance your kingdom.
1: And not my own agenda.
5: And not my own agenda.
1: Thank you for these truths.
5: Thank you for these truths. That
1: you have revealed.
5: You have revealed.
1: Help me to consider my ways.
5: Help me to consider my ways.
1: And not fall back into old patterns.
5: And not fall back into old patterns.
1: And old fears.
5: And old fears.
1: I want to hold these truths in my heart
5: I want to hold these truths in my heart
1: and be the conduit for good
5: and be the conduit for good
1: that you desire for me to be
5: that you desire for me to be
1: I know that the sacrifice of jesus christ
5: I know that the sacrifice of Jesus Christ
1: makes this possible
5: makes this possible
1: and I thank you I thank you amen. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. If you have a comment or a question, you can push the star six keys on your telephone keypad, and we'll be able to hear you. Star six. You think anybody got some input?
6: Well, I really like that. Thank you. That really, um, I'm really glad you hit hard, the strong emphasis on the coercive tithe doctrine, you know.
1: Yeah. It's out there, we need to know what it is. What's that? It's out there, and we need to know. We need to know what it is and what's happening there.
6: Right. Yeah, that's teaching is about common sense, (laughs) teeth.
1: Hallelujah. Knock over some sacred cows. I attended a church for a long time that um, the pastor had a box in the back. And he had only this to say If you are a tither to this church, or if you'd like to make an offering, there are two boxes in the back one is for your tithe and the other is for your offering. And that is all he said. Every service, that is the only thing that he said. And I so respected him. And his church never lacked for anything. And then when he would have a special guest or something, they would actually pass the bucket, you know, for the love offering for the guest. But aside from that, it's in the back.
6: Yeah, there was no coercion or manipulation. Right. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, I, I'm a strong believer in first fruits, you know, taking your first fruits and, and starting at 10%. I'm hesitant to call, call it the tithe because, you know, the tithe goes all the way back to Abraham, but so sort does of circumcision, and Paul did that, went to the apostles in Jerusalem with that, and so we can get into Sabbath worship, and you know, the whole tithe thing was lab- labeling it that it goes into the temple or to the steeple house. I, I think that we need to go direct where we're fed, you know? Oh, absolutely. And, uh and so an offering, it is it does start with the first fruits, and that's all the way through the Bible, and 10% is, it starts there. It's not just, that's the beginning, you know, generally, well, but just the tithe gets directed, okay. so it has to go to the steeple house and manipulate it, but it's supposed to go where you're fed, I think, you know. The offering, well, that is you know, Paul talks about yeah.
1: Yeah, that is your storehouse. You know, you wouldn't, you wouldn't, uh, yeah. as a famous man used to say, you wouldn't eat at uh, Burger King and walk across the street pay McDonald's.
6: Right. Right. Well, there's there, there are times you go to a, a, a church or local gathering or Steve house, and, and you're there. God wants you there, but. <clears throat> you're fed more, you know, I mean, I, you can be fed more on freedom's way than I can, but if I'm really in a vibrant church and thriving there, you know, in a, a structure in a building, that's, yeah, where I'll put it, but on the other hand, I will you know, I'm kind of I just <clears throat> think there is a difference <clears throat> from the Old Testament to the New, but I don't want to split hairs, but I just really believe that there is no coercion, that it does start the principle is generosity and it's always been there its benevolence and its first fruits you know amen. and so thank I you appreciated lord. the heart of love of, of how to give out of, of love and how to be directed by the lord you know
1: amen hallelujah thank you thanks for being here
6: very powerful
1: yeah. <laughs> ooh who else has something to say tonight? Anybody? Star six. Star six. Unmute your phone. <laughs> oh, hallelujah.
0: Hi, this is Claudia. Um, over the years with tabbing, I've seen God just um, totally take care of me.
1: Yeah,
3: it's been
0: phenomenal, and I give with well, my heart.
1: Well, he would heart. probably take care you whether you or not. But oh, uh, so i
0: know, just, I just watched this over. I know that, but I'm just saying I've watched it just over and over and over. When I think I don't have enough, and I've done that before, but then when I still don't have enough and I tired
1: it's like it's just always there. <laughs> It's always there. So oh. that's true. Yeah. There are many, many testimonies of how God returns things to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? So I mean,
0: there were times I would just be like down to almost nothing and then <laughs> it would just appear. Whether it would be somebody at the church would help take care of me. This is when I was going through my divorce. Or, I mean, it was just amazing. Or yeah. I would get a check unexpectedly or I don't, know, I don't know how to explain it all, but it just, uh, yeah. it just was very I know good you. tonight Otherwise, Thank you.
1: <laughs> I know exactly
0: what you're talking about. hmm Thank you. It was very good tonight. It's always very good at night. It's good all the time. God bless you. Thank you. Who's <laughs> oh, oh, <gasps> oh.
1: We could do a whole book on testimonies concerning money, how God takes care of us, and all of that. Uh, hey. Amen.
0: Yeah, the main thing is, is of a pure heart. Yep. And that that's when he he when he, it's a pure heart, he um most definitely takes
1: care of you. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Annette. That's the truth. Yep. Short and sweet.
3: <laughs> yep. Hallelujah.
1: Praise award. Hi, have... Vicki Yes.
3: Oh.
2: No, I'm sorry. Was someone else talking? No. Okay. This is Helen. <clears throat> I mm-hmm. have a very um <clears throat> unusual experience that I've just had um the past three weeks. <clears throat> and I'm I'm hesitant in sharing, but my purpose in sharing is um it isn't just the, um, the attitude um, about poverty and that sort of thing, but um, what I have learned the past three weeks is um, to have the right attitude about the abundance that God has given you. Because um, three weeks ago, um, it was revealed to me at the age of 89 that the man who has handled my retirement has been in a Ponzi scheme and I have lost oh my, my total goodness. retirement. Yeah, well, that's okay. It's all right. I mean, it's not all right, <laughs> but I have, it, believe me, it's been a shock. But there was something that um, about 30 some years ago, I remember at the altar at the church where I had received the baptism, the Holy Spirit, and salvation, everything, that a man, a visiting prophet, prophesied over me that I would uh, I would be a giver. And at that moment, I was so utterly, you know, I didn't have anything. I thought, and I, I joked about it to my friend on the way home from church. I said, he just saw that beautiful diamond on my finger. That's why he prophesied that. But over the years, God gave me a real freedom in my heart to never fear whether he was going to be there for me or not. And I've been uh, single for probably 30, since I was 50, and I'm 89 now. Um, And I have never lived in that fear, and it's only from him. So now this situation came up, and I am a giver to missionaries. And I thought, God, I don't understand what's happening. And you ask yourself all kinds of questions. Am I being punished? And, and, you know, all this sort of thing. And when you deal with all that and push it aside, And then when I um, discussed what happened with an attorney, he asked me about 10 questions. And, you know, God does admonish us to walk in his wisdom. And that means money also. And the reason, uh, friends of mine, Christian friends, invited me to a Christian or a financial seminar at a church. And I caution everyone about ever going to a uh, financial seminar at a church. And I'm not saying they're all wrong, but these people do prey upon God-loving, fearful people. But anyway, there's lots of things that all of us need to know about money and investing. And when he asked me these 10 questions, those questions never entered my mind. When I put my name sign my name uh, to invest in the funds that he set up for me so I do not believe I'm being punished um, I believe I did not behave in wisdom and my friends who took me I talked to them and they've lost a big bundle also now if you know anything mm. about a Ponzi scheme it's just like well, yeah. you remember made of yeah it's a, it's a real tricky, it's like going to the carnival when you were a kid and the guy had three half walnuts on, on the table, you know. Yeah. Um, it's just a real tricky, tricky investment. And the man who has done this was one of our state representatives in the state of Michigan. So <clears throat> first I had tremendous anger and I had to deal with that. And then I had a tremendous desire to murder somebody and I had to get rid of that. Yeah. And uh, the last couple of days, it's like um, like if you shake a, a big jar with sand and water and the sand sign, finally settles down, <clears throat> all of that anger, that fear, that, you know, uh, blaming myself and all that, that has all settled down. And um, I have repented uh, for not using better wisdom, for not asking uh, better questions. But I live, I've always lived in a life, just send me out on the mission field, Lord, that's what I want. Or send me here, that's what I want. But you have to use wisdom no matter where God sends you. So I don't know how this is all going to turn out, but there is, there's little hope that any of us who are involved in it will get uh, anything back. So I am considering um, where I'm going to move because I can't afford to live here anymore. But it, God is always there through the anger, through mm-hmm. the fear. And then when everything settles down, I don't know what tomorrow or next year or anything is going to bring. But I don't have to. I just There's just a deep knowing of peace and uh, love. Today was the first day <clears throat> that I could sincerely pray from my heart for this man and his wife uh, to really hear truth and see light and love and to repent um anyway today was good uh i it's the the sediment went deeper and deeper and it will come right now i just don't want my children to know <laughs> so anyway if we have the right attitude if we know who god is and have the right attitude about the money it really won't matter Amen. Uh, Amen. It, it will matter but it won't be you know
1: it'll be okay All right, thank you for for me, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you so much. God bless you, woman. What a testimony. God is good. Flat out, powerful. And he will honor you, Helen, for your heart. He will honor you. So God bless you. Hallelujah.
6: Do I really needed to hear to... that. I just found out yeah. today that my ex partner continues to do damage and um, destroyed um seventeen sixteen thousand dollars worth of equipment uh that when he returned it to uh, high tech equipment to a they wasn't supposed to have, he took it off the job and it was good. Returned it to the rental agency two and a half months late. They thought they'd had everything back. And so they're coming after me for $16,000. And uh, I was shaken today. I was uh, being bittered against this. I don't know what to say. Christian accountant that that has done this with other people that has gotten into cahoots with my partner and they're all deceived and I had to forgive and I just myself just this evening in the last hour or so was able to just forgive um, the scheme that they worked to destroy me and throw me under the bus and take the money and they did get the money but It hasn't destroyed me, and I believe that God will. Uh, I just did. that was a huge testimony, because Mm -hmm. I didn't do well um, today, and I finally got peace And Helen's testimonies. I mean, that is a small change compared to what she's been through. I mean, this is her life, and um, this was just another add-on to the tens of thousands, but there again, you tell him so a little tender, but I'm just so thankful that um her testimony of just victory in Christ just that he is her provider, and that um he sees these things, and I hope that I just ask him that I don't pick up offense in this. I deal with the offense, and that God will uh, open the eyes and understanding of these men who are deceived um yeah. yeah. that they're deceived because they just believing what they're doing you know
1: hallelujah and I'm sure you're not the only one that needed to hear that so thank you again Helen thank you again we do need to understand our God knows Ooh. he knows and he will right all the wrongs and he will take care of us because he loves us So praise, praise you, Jesus. Anybody else got something tonight before we say goodnight? I'm so glad that you joined us. And I'm so glad that we were able to bring some truth into some of the warped views religion wants to lay on us. Next week we're going to look at spiritual deception about death. Ooh, it's pretty powerful too. So,
4: pretty powerful.
1: Like
4: yeah, yeah. I heard um, Chris Valentine's testimony of a—he had four uh, repair shops, auto repair shops, and one of his repair shops, the head mechanic uh rented the place next door and took all of his customers he didn't know what was happening and he um, the the landlord from next door came over and said oh by the way did you want and he it, first time he'd ever heard of it and he was just floored and he went home and prayed about it like what do i do and he he really felt that he heard the lord say Close this shop that's right next door and give him all the equipment. Bless him with all, all the equipment that's there. And so he packed it all up. He asked his wife, they talked about it, they prayed about it, and it felt like the right thing even though it was seemed really strange. And it was a lot of equipment, so but he packed it up and the day they opened he showed up with this huge trailer of stuff and he said, Oh, I was gonna tell you I was gonna t-. he said, No, no you're going to need this equipment. That's I just came to gift you with this equipment. And he said it was, oh, maybe 10 or 11 years later, um, he said this huge check came in the mail, and God said, remember when you gave that equipment? And he just smiled so big. Um, so um, God, yeah, God leading the way, that's always the answer, isn't it?
1: Yep, always. Thank you, Mary. Yep, thank you.
4: Love you guys. Hallelujah. Uh, Just seed that stuff, the stuff that's been stolen, just that it uh, glorifies God somehow. um, Amen. Wherever it ends up. Yep. Amen. Jesus.
1: Amen. Okay. Praise
4: the low? He's not asleep. He gonna, you're going to you're going to sing Phil?
5: <laughs> Car- Carrie to. likes you. Likes you to sing. <laughs> okay, Hi, Carrie. Could I I will sing it me to sing. All right, everybody
1: better mute your phone so you can
5: have a nice clear line. Uh, Hallelujah. God bless you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word today, our Father. Thank you, Lord, that you comfort us in difficult times. Life in this earth is not easy. There's a lot that goes on. That is not righteous and not good. And Lord, we need you every day in every way. So we just thank you for your word to teach us, Lord, and to operate in wisdom. How the 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 laws, and the rules, and the way your kingdom works. Thank you for the authority. In the kingdom of God. Thank you, Lord. You have called us to walk in authority, to be teachers, givers, to empower others, to exhort each other today, while it's still today. We thank you, Lord, for your presence in this message. We thank you, Lord, that you are ministering to the hearts of your people, that you are empowering them to walk in your ways, your glory, your strength, your character, and that, Lord, you have every intention on blessing their lives in every way for their obedient, loving, giving hearts to power us to keep our hearts stayed on you, Father. And my Father, with your permission, I will bless your people as Aaron, your people, God's people. So Aaron blessed God's people in the book of Numbers with the ironic benediction. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Thank you that you bless these people. Bless them more. <laughs> May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord lift his face unto you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift his countenance unto you and give you peace. And I add to the prayer, in Yeshem Yeshua, in the name of Jesus, who is our Sar Shalom, our Prince of Peace. We thank you, Lord, that you bless your people, that you are encamping your angels around us, that no pestilence will come near their door, and that we plead in your name the blood of Jesus over the doorposts of your people, Lord, to protect them, that you, that the angel, that the death, the pestilence will pass by, pass over, Such a thing in this season, the Passover season, that you are going to pass over your your people and protect them from all harm. Thank you, Lord, that that covering is over your people and that no disease will come near their door. They will walk in health, they will walk in prosperity, and all the years the locusts have eaten will be returned. They will cast out demons. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being with us. God has strengthening us. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you that we can pray your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. We honor you tonight with our hearts. We bow the knee to you, Father God, in the name of Jesus. And before you go tonight, brothers and sisters, we've had a request to do a Passover meeting this week. If you would be interested in that, that would be what, Tuesday or Wednesday. Wednesday? So if you're interested, please just give us a text or something with a thumbs up or whatever that you would like us to do that, and we will have a meeting at what, 7.30? 8.30 on Wednesday evening. So let us know. If you would enjoy that, if it would bless you and we will do a teaching on the Passover, which is coming up amazing that this is uh there's there's you know, the plague is out there and we are celebrating uh the Passover, which is where the Israelites put the blood of the lamb on the lentils or the the doorposts of their homes that the angel of death would pass by when the plagues were meant to be on Egypt. So it's just a, just a taste. Join us if you will, but let us know that you would like to to, to participate or 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 hear a good teaching on Passover on Wednesday night. So, God bless y'all. You, you have anything to say, honey? Good night. I
3: love you. Oh, so okay. God bless. God Thank you, brother. God
5: bless <laughs> you. You love you, brother. Thank God you bless so you much. Brother. Thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for your oh. support. Thank
6: you. Love you guys. I okay, here.
5: We love you.
6: Down, Gloria. Roger
5: and out. Roger and out, brother. God bless.
6: Phil,
2: are we to have anything yes. special Nine. ready for the Passover?
3: <laughs> oh,
2: say that again, Helen. Are we to have anything special ready? prepared for that
1: Passover? Uh, We will take communion together. Okay, all right. I just wondered if we were supposed to have all the herbs and
2: everything. (laughs) Okay, that's great. I will be there.
1: We're not going to try to do a Seder meal, but uh, we will take communion together. I,
2: I think a friend of mine also will call in because we were going to do that together, and then Nobody's allowed to come in my building, so if you don't mind, I would like her to listen, be listening to you all the time anyway, sure. but you could I count on the two of us. Okay. okay, thank you. Good night.
5: Bless of God. We want you all.
4: Praise God. Okay, I'll Woo-hoo. need to schedule that. I'm so excited I can hardly stand it. Okay. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: love you, Terry. You're fantastic. <laughs>
5: <laughs> wow.
1: Passover Passover meeting Wednesday April eighth eight thirty Eastern Amen
4: I'll pass the word
1: Okay Jackie
4: i I'm so excited Okay bless you guys Sweet sleep
1: God bless you Good
4: night Hey okay, good night